Section 8 of Confessions of an English Opium Eater. This LibriVox recording is in the public domain. Recording by Martin Giessen. Confessions of an English Opium Eater by Thomas de Quincey. Section 8. And therefore, worthy doctors, as there seems to be room for further discoveries, stand aside, and allow me to come forward and lecture on this matter. First, then, it is not so much affirmed as taken for granted by all who ever mention opium, formally or incidentally, that it does or can produce intoxication. Now, reader, assure yourself, meo periculo, at my own peril, that no quantity of opium ever did or could intoxicate. As to the tincture of opium, commonly called laudanum, that might certainly intoxicate if a man could bear to take enough of it, but why? Because it contains so much proof spirit, and not because it contains so much opium. But crude opium, I affirm peremptorily, is incapable of producing any state of body at all resembling that which is produced by alcohol, and not in degree only incapable, but even in kind. It is not in the quantity of its effects merely, but in the quality that it differs altogether. The pleasure given by wine is always mounting and tending to a crisis, after which it declines. That from opium, when once generated, is stationary for eight or ten hours. The first, to borrow a technical distinction from medicine, is a case of acute, the second, the chronic pleasure. The one is a flame the other a steady and equable glow. But the main distinction lies in this, that whereas wine disorders the mental faculties, opium, on the contrary, if taken in a proper manner, introduces amongst them the most exquisite order, legislation and harmony. Wine robs a man of his self-possession, opium greatly invigorates it wine unsettles and clouds the judgment and gives a preternatural brightness and a vivid exaltation to the contempts and the admirations the loves and the hatreds of the drinker opium on the contrary communicates serenity and equipoise to all the faculties active or passive and with respect to the temper and moral feelings in general it gives simply that sort of vital warmth which is approved by the judgment, and which would probably always accompany a bodily constitution of primeval or antediluvian health. Thus, for instance, opium, like wine, gives an expansion to the heart and the benevolent affections. But then, with this remarkable difference, that in the sudden development of kind-heartedness which accompanies inebriation, 
there is always more or less of a maudlin character which exposes it to the contempt of the bystander men shake hands swear eternal friendship and shed tears no mortal knows why and the sensual creature is clearly uppermost but the expansion of the benigner feelings incident to opium is no febrile access but a healthy restoration to that state which the mind would naturally recover upon the removal of any deep-seated irritation of pain that had disturbed and quarrelled with the impulses of a heart originally just and good true it is that even wine up to a certain point and with certain men rather tends to exalt and to steady the intellect i myself who have never been a great wine drinker used to find that half a dozen glasses of wine advantageously affected the faculties brightened and intensified the consciousness and gave to the mind a feeling of being ponderibus librata suis readers translation in equilibrium through its own weight and certainly it is most absurdly said in popular language of any man that he is disguised in liquor for on the contrary most men are disguised by sobriety and it is when they are drinking as some old gentleman says in Athenaeus, that men cheautos emphanisdus in hoitines eisin display themselves in their true complexion of character which surely is not disguising themselves but still wine constantly leads a man to the brink of absurdity and extravagance and beyond a certain point it is sure to volatilize and to disperse the intellectual energies whereas opium always seems to compose what had been agitated and to concentrate what had been distracted in short to sum up all in one word a man who is inebriated or tending to inebriation is and feels that he is in a condition which calls up into supremacy the merely human too often the brutal part of his nature but the opium-eater i speak of him who is not suffering from any disease or other remote effects of opium feels that the diviner part of his nature is paramount that is the moral affections are in a state of cloudless serenity and over all is the great light of the majestic intellect this is the doctrine of the true church on the subject of opium of which church i acknowledge myself to be the only member the alpha and the omega but then it is to be recollected that i speak from the ground of a large and profound personal experience whereas most of the unscientific authors who have at all treated of opium and even of those who have written expressly on the materia medica make it evident from the horror they express of it 
that their experimental knowledge of its action is none at all i will however candidly acknowledge that i have met with one person who bore evidence to its intoxicating power such as staggered my own incredulity for he was a surgeon and had himself taken opium largely i happened to say to him that his enemies as i had heard charged him with talking nonsense on politics and that his friends apologised for him by suggesting that he was constantly in a state of intoxication from opium now the accusation said i is not prima facie at first appearance and of necessity an absurd one but the defence is to my surprise however he insisted that both his enemies and his friends were in the right i will maintain said he that i do talk nonsense and secondly i will maintain that i do not talk nonsense upon principle or with any view to profit but solely and simply said he solely and simply solely and simply repeating it three times over because i am drunk with opium and that daily i replied that as to the allegation of his enemies as it seemed to be established upon such respectable testimony seeing that the three parties concerned all agree in it it did not become me to question it but the defence set up i must demur to he proceeded to discuss the matter and to lay down his reasons but it seemed to me so impolite to pursue an argument which must have presumed a man mistaken in a point belonging to his own profession that i did not press him even when his course of argument seemed open to objection not to mention that a man who talks nonsense even though with no view to profit is not altogether the most agreeable partner in a dispute whether as opponent or respondent i confess however that the authority of a surgeon and one who was reputed a good one may seem a weighty one to my prejudice but still i must plead my experience which was greater than his greatest by seven thousand drops a day and though it was not possible to suppose a medical man unacquainted with the characteristic symptoms of vinous intoxication it yet struck me that he might proceed on a logical error of using the word intoxication with too great latitude and extending it generically to all modes of nervous excitement instead of restricting it as the expression for a specific sort of excitement connected with certain diagnostics some people have maintained in my hearing that they had been drunk upon green tea and a medical student in london for whose knowledge in his profession i have reason to feel great respect assured me the other day that a patient in recovering from an illness had got drunk on a beefsteak 
having dwelt so much on this first and leading error in respect to opium i shall notice very briefly a second and a third which are that the elevation of spirits produced by opium is necessarily followed by a proportionate depression and that the natural and even immediate consequence of opium is torpor and stagnation animal and mental the first of these errors i shall content myself with simply denying assuring my reader that for ten years during which i took opium at intervals the day succeeding to that on which i allowed myself this luxury was always a day of unusually good spirits with respect to the torpor supposed to follow or rather if we were to credit the numerous pictures of turkish opium-eaters to accompany the practice of opium-eating i deny that also certainly opium is classed under the head of narcotics and some such effect it may produce in the end but the primary effects of opium are always and in the highest degree to excite and stimulate the system the first stage of its action always lasted with me during my novitiate for upwards of eight hours so that it must be the fault of the opium-eater himself if he does not so time his exhibition of the dose to speak medically as that the whole weight of its narcotic influence may descend upon his sleep turkish opium-eaters it seems are absurd enough to sit like so many equestrian statues on logs of wood as stupid as themselves but that the reader may judge of the degree in which opium is likely to stupefy the faculties of an englishman i shall by way of treating the question illustratively rather than argumentatively describe the way in which i myself often passed an opium evening in london during the period between eighteen hundred and four and eighteen hundred and twelve it will be seen that at least opium did not move me to seek solitude and much less to seek inactivity or the torpid state of self-involution ascribed to the turks i give this account at the risk of being pronounced a crazy enthusiast or visionary but i regard that little i must desire my reader to bear in mind that i was a hard student and at severe studies for all the rest of my time and certainly i had a right occasionally to relaxations as well as other people these however i allowed myself but seldom end of section eight recording by martin geeson in hazelmere surrey